Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. The marvelous galaxy. The uh, Disney, yeah. Hello and welcome to Marvelous Galaxy of Disney. We're excited to have you back on this momentous occasion. My name is Sean. My name's Alan. And this week we have a lot of information for you, like every week. We're we're amazing. There's just at so gathering. much news. There's just we're gatherers. So <laughs> wow. we have news on a possible Joss Whedon show reboot. Ooh. It does relate to Disney though, before you roll your eyes at me. Um, we have some uh, updates on a Star Wars comic I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, also, a Disney comic I'm going to talk to you about. There's some news of a uh, Marvel video game. Marvel, vi- yeah, Marvel video game in the works, Avengers. Mm-hmm. So we'll tell you what studio is working on that, and that'll give you more information on what kind of uh, game it's probably going to be. Yeah. Uh, Alan's going to talk to us about the Galaxy Edge book. There's a new uh, Pixar trailer out. And, of course, I think the thing, the biggest thing we're going to talk about today is we went to Disneyland on reopening day, we April did. 30th. And we're so tired. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> these last two days. I'm still sore. Yeah. But we're going to give you information on that. If you're planning to go, we're going to give you some tips, talk about our experience, and just uh, let you know how it went. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to relive that moment, even though it was very hot and tiresome. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's our... Don't talk about it yet. Well, they could just look up the weather. I know. <laughs> All right. So first off, the reboot that's possibly in the works, and it has not gotten a good reaction from fans. Apparently, uh, now that Disney owns Fox, one of the shows that was on Fox was Firefly. And I know everybody's jonesing for more Firefly, because if you don't know the history, this was a Joss Whedon show. It was a space epic with uh, Nathan Fillion in the lead role as the uh, captain of the ship with a quirky cast of characters. And uh, I think part of the, in my opinion, and this is me being a huge Whedon fan, and I'm not talking about Whedon as in who he is today or what we know of him today. I'm just talking about his body of work, a huge Buffy fan. But in my opinion, a lot of Whedon shows start off kind of slow because he takes time to really like do one-off episodes to let us get to know the characters. So for me personally, Firefly didn't grab me right away because I like story. I like overarching story. So I think... Because the show wasn't an instant hit, Fox got rid of it almost like (laughs) before the season one was even done. They were like, we don't want this show. So then by like episode, I'd say, I don't know, it's been a while, like eight, nine or ten, somewhere in there. The story kicked in and it got really good, but it was canceled and it's continued on in comic book form or different forms like that. But uh, we've all been wanting more. The reason why this isn't getting a great reaction is because of events with Whedon being apparently an asshole on set. Uh, he wouldn't be involved. But not only would Whedon not be involved, but none of the original cast would be involved. Yeah, it sounds like it's a 
total reboot, right? Like it's a new story mm-hmm. in this in the world of Firefly. Yeah, and like I think for me, uh, the reason why the original show is so good is because of the cast. Because we've seen this kind of space epic many times. It was very similar to like Cowboy Bebop or Outlaw Star, but it was the cast and the quirky characters that really made it work. And I'm almost kind of skeptical that if they put it on Disney Plus, because one of the uh, characters was a courtesan, so she would travel the galaxy and have sex for money. Oh. So I don't know if they would bring that to Disney+. Plus. And I think that was really good representation for sex workers. And I don't know. I don't know if Disney Plus is that far along. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they... <clears throat> because they they probably don't want to work with Whedon anymore. They just were like, well, we can't have someone work off of someone else's idea. So let's just scrap it and start something new. Yeah, but I don't know why, like, I've, I've kind of made this complaint for years. Like, for example, this is totally not Disney-related, but it's going to make <laughs> my point. But when they remade the Poltergeist movie, like, don't get me wrong, that I love Poltergeist. But at the heart of it, it's a ghost story. <laughs> so why are we remaking these things that are, like, a space saga yeah. or, like, a ghost movie? Like, there's so many ways to interpret ghost and space so why not just do something new then mm-hmm. you're just trying to make money off the firefly name i yeah. feel <laughs> but yeah i i would love for firefly to be remade but i would love to see our original cast back yeah i mean at least disney recognizes that it is a viable or possible franchise that they can maybe help grow so mm-hmm. kudos and to disney on that And to be honest, if they do end up remaking it with a whole new cast, uh, I would still watch it. I would still give it a chance to see what they do with it and see how I like the new cast. And who knows, maybe they will find a way to make it better than the original or maybe it will be, you know, just as enjoyable or, you know, I would still give it a chance. Or, you know, even if they start off with a brand new story, maybe bring back some of the actors to... Um, have little cameos here and there, like they do on, like, 90210. I remember they did that. Okay. Well, they don't do that on the new Charmed show. Are you trying to... Hanging with the Hollows every Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. And then in our next topic, there's a pretty new comic out. It's called Star Wars The High Republic. Oh. It started in January 2021. And... One of the first things that I got excited about that I um, sent Alan a picture of is the very first page one of this comic series. It takes you through a timeline Mm -hmm. and it shows you exactly when everything happens. So check out our Instagram if you want to see the timeline. It even already has like the Bad Batch in there. So you can see where that takes place. So I thought that was pretty cool that they broke it down for us. Yeah, I was like, I, I need this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just print this out and put it on my wall so I can study it. Mm-hmm. So the High Republic takes place before the prequels. So this is when the Republic is in full force. Mm-hmm. They don't even know that the Sith threat uh, exists right now. Uh, Yoda's a little bit younger than he was in the prequels, so he's like 800 instead of like 860. <laughs> oh, uh, <so> prime years. <laughs> prime years. So, and so far, I've read the first three. There, I think there's four out currently. 
but it follows a Padawan, Keeve Trennis, which right off the bat, I really like her as a character. She is a black woman. She has one side of her head shaved, which I love that look on girls. And in the very first comic, we see her um, going through the trials to be a Jedi Knight. And her, um, her Jedi Master that she's training under is a Trandoshan, which if you're not familiar with that, you will be in a second because you can actually see a Trandoshan in The Empire Strikes Back. If you're familiar with Bosk, the bounty hunter, they're very lizard looking. So I like that they have a Trandoshan as a, uh, a Jedi because we haven't really seen that so much. And her Jedi master is named Skier. And so far in the story, what I really like about it is, spoiler alert, but this is the first episode or comic, she becomes a Jedi Knight. She passes her trial. So in the next two, we see her and her master Skier get called off to a planet where five people have gone missing. And the dark side of the force is very prevalent here. So I like seeing uh, Skier is kind of... it. He seems to be being overtaken by the dark side because he's like saying and doing things that don't seem right. And we see Keeve seeming to manage the the pull of the dark side better. So I like this so far as, you know, we've talked about on the show earlier that I wanted to see like more Jedi in on the action and see like the Jedi in full force. So I feel like we're getting that from this comic. So it's very enjoyable so far. I would definitely recommend it. I actually, I, I don't know why I haven't shared this on this show. If you are interested in looking into any Marvel, Star Wars, or Disney comics, I actually subscribe to, it's called Marvel Unlimited. It's an app you can get on your phone. It's $9.99 a month, or you can usually get it for $60 a year, which, like, for me, I read a ton of comics, so this has saved me so much money. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I would definitely look into that if you're interested, or you can also visit a comic book store. They're on the shelves right now. Definitely check out The High Republic. By the way, that segment was not sponsored by anyone, so... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of comic books, Alan. That's my name. Hi. Hi. So I went to uh, San Diego last weekend, and Anthony and I found this huge comic book store called Southern California Comics. And while we were there, I actually picked up, it's, it's pretty thick, this comic book that I grabbed. <laughs> it was only $15, and it has the five-episode run of The Tiki Room. <laughs> yes, there's a comic about The Tiki Room. And it had the five comics from the Big Thunder Railroad series. So I grabbed it. So 10 comics for 15 bucks is a great deal. This is an, another, um, you can read both of these in the... Marvel Unlimited app also, if that's the other way you want to go. I have to tell you, I really enjoyed the Big <laughs> Thunder comic book. It did feel like a little bit rushed at the end. Like suddenly a lot of stuff started happening out of nowhere. But like, I think it's just because the story was too big for the six, but it was still mm -hmm. enjoyable. But we talked about what we want to see from some of these Disney movies. And I feel like Big Thunder gave me everything I wanted to see because it melded this very fairy tale esque story with 
the mysticism that we were talking about. So it was almost like a Robin Hood tale because it was about this small town and the town was the one on the right. So (laughs) right off the bat, I love that. And it started off with the goat chewing on the dynamite, but then the train goes by and it drops the dynamite. But uh, this young heroine's dad is the owner of the town and she doesn't realize how like money hungry he is. So he's having people mine Big Thunder Mountain for like no money. And he wants all the gold from the mountain, but they're having trouble mining for some reason. And I love the fact that they talk about the mountain like it's this living being. So it says, like, the mountain, if the mountain gets angry, she won't let you do what you want, or she'll impede you from getting to her gold. So I really like seeing the mountain be a character in the story. And uh, the daughter gets uh, entangled with these thieves that are deciding to steal the train that's transporting the gold. So she gets kind of um, swept away with them. But then she finds out accidentally that they're using the gold to buy supplies for the town. Well, so they're the reason why the town people are still doing well at all. (laughs) (laughs) And the mountain has this like blue electricity. So that's kind of why it's called Big Thunder because it can make this electricity and like direct it at things. Mm Mm-hmm. So I really like, like, because, spoiler alert, Alan and I went on Big Thunder yesterday, but it brought a whole new flavor to the ride, like, imagining, oh, the mountain's alive, and it's, like, it punishes bad people. So now there's a little bit of, like, fun danger. Like, (laughs) I know Alan's not a bad guy because he got off the ride with me. So, like, I feel secure in my decision. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I'd really like to see this as a movie. I could definitely see, like, a very easy parallel to... You know, I I feel like Big Thunder would happen around the same time frame as The Jungle Cruise, so it'd be easy to have those connect and, like, you know, they're exploring and find it. Like a secret society. Like a secret society. Adventures, yeah. I could definitely see, like, somebody dying in the Big Thunder world and, like, the ghost popping up in Haunted Mansion. Like, Mm. there's so many fun ways to do this. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I love it when Disney... Um, just kind of expands on their rides and creates even like a bigger story every time. I mean, the prime example is Pirates, and hopefully we see that with Jungle Cruise. So, I mean, maybe this is Disney's next big movie. We don't know, but that would be awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome. And uh, on our next episode, I aim to bring you my review of the Tiki Room comics. Yes. I actually really don't like the Tiki Room, (laughs) but I tried reading the comics once and I didn't get into them at first, but I love you listeners so much. Wow. I'm going to read all five of them and I'm going to tell you about them. Wow. I I will confess though, well, a little sneak peek about Disney, (laughs) Disneyland when we went. Um, I will admit to you, Sean, that... The Tiki Room was open, and I kind of ah. wanted to go because it'll take give us a break from the heat, but oh. I know how much you don't like that I would have gone with you. Well, it's too late now. Oh. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> but yeah, see how nice of a person I am? No. <laughs> so, Alan, we're really old <laughs> because... <laughs> This show from our childhood last week just celebrated its 30th anniversary, and I thought we'd talk about it. Happy birthday. Yeah. On uh, April 26th of 1991, 
one of the most expensive shows of its time released, <laughs> and that was Dinosaurs. Yeah. With Daddy Dinosaur, Mommy Dinosaur, <laughs> the baby. So, yeah, I think everybody was watching the show when it was out. Yeah, I remember it was so popular. Because it, it, it was pretty groundbreaking because, you know, we're used to, like, just live action, live people, you know, uh, TV series. And then this whole, like, random concept of a dinosaur family pops up on ABC. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, they definitely modeled it after older shows. Mm-hmm. So, like, we had the the big fat dad yeah. <laughs> and the skinny mom, which is such a trope in our <laughs> American society. It's okay, man. You can be slobs, but God, <laughs> woman, you better be skinny if you want a man. But, yeah, this was groundbreaking. They definitely took on a lot of different... Um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They took on a lot of different issues. Mm-hmm. And one of them even talks about LBGT. Yeah, that's in an oh, episode. I didn't know that. So, and Dinosaurs is on Disney Plus. So I aim to catch up, watch some of it. But it was one of the most expensive shows in its day because of all the puppets and because of. With working with the puppets, they had to make special sets, so it it was a lot. And then the voice actors, yeah. so on and so forth. Um, if there's any Disney execs out there listening to our podcast, I would oh, love... Oh, there are. They message me. <laughs> I would love to see a 30-year follow-up. Yeah, that would <laughs> be amazing. what happened to this family. <laughs> I'm really curious to see what the how the baby grew up, because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'd probably be, what, 32 years old, 31 years old? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just just a thought out there. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so, uh, if you're familiar with it, have you heard of NetherRealm Studios? I have not heard of it at all. Well, you've played games from them. I have not heard of it <laughs> at all. Well, you've played a game with me that I'm better at than you. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Mortal Kombat 11, 10, a lot of the later numbers were by NetherRealm Studios. They have actually, rumor has it, that they have been commissioned to develop a Marvel fighting game. Well, were they involved in this latest Mar- uh, uh, Mortal Kombat movie? We don't talk about that. <laughs> this is a Disney show. But... It's funny because uh, if you've heard me talk about Chris, uh, Chris is a a game a fighting gamer. He like lives and breathes fighting games, and he actually is not that excited about this. Do you want to know why? Why is that? Because he doesn't love the Mortal Kombat fighting system. He says oh. it's kind of um, slow compared to what he likes. He likes the faster games. But I like Mortal Kombat because I think that the controls are easy. I think the story's fun. I like the graphics. So I think for like a casual fighting gamer like you and me, this is going to be awesome. Wait, I'm a casual gamer compared to you, Sean? I said fighting (laughs) gamer. No, I definitely play video games more than you. Oh, yeah. But for fighting games, both of us are pretty cash. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, so hopefully that there's a spark of truth there because any chance we have to see the Avengers or any other Marvel characters on screen, whether it be video game or movie, I'm excited for. Yeah. Speaking of Marvel on the TV, Mm -hmm. exciting news. 
Have you heard of Ironheart? Educate me, Sean. So, no. (laughs) So, Ironheart is a teenage black girl. And what I really appreciate about this newer age of characters, like, I feel like back in the day we had, like, Peter Parker. But a lot of the characters, like, when you think of Gambit or Wolverine or even, like, Cannonball or some of the lesser, like, Iceman, they're not always, like smart characters like they're average you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like their goof-offs are like they sometimes even like make fun of nerds or stuff like that but i feel like peter parker type heroes have made their way to the forefront because we see like for example hank pym in the comics has a daughter who's like one of the smartest people in the world and she's part of like this girl team where they are very scientific We have Amadeus Cho, who is an Asian character who became the Hulk for a little while. Now he's Braun, and he's a very smart character. So I feel like they're bringing to the table, like, it's not so bad to be smart anymore. (laughs) We shouldn't be made fun of because we're smart. It's actually cool to be smart. Like Kamala Khan, who's uh, Miss Marvel, is the same way. The reason I've led you in this way, Ironheart is uh riri riri williams (laughs) don't say that fast uh riri williams and she is a teenage black girl who uh made her own iron man suit and this is when tony stark was if you see me right now making air quotes dead um she developed her own suit uh tony stark turned out not to be dead and he came and he helped her like perfect it by putting in a uh, ai to it and so she became a young Iron Man, but of course we're in this era where we're not so lazy as to just say Iron Girl, our Iron Woman, our Lady Iron Man. <laughs> so she got her own name, which is Iron Heart, which I think is very fitting for her. Mm, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So she uh, is getting her own Disney Plus series, and it actually just found its director in uh, Chinaka Hodge. And uh, playing Riri Williams will be Dominique Thorne, and she is in the show also a brilliant inventor. And much like Falcon and Winter Soldier, Ironheart is planned to be six episodes. Hopefully they kind of like spread the story out (laughs) evenly and don't just throw us a bunch of stuff in the last episode. But yeah, I'm really excited for this. I think it's uh, very welcoming to continue to see different personas within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm excited to see Kamala Khan come into the Marvel Universe. So great stuff happening at Disney+. Plus. And then we actually just saw the second trailer for Luca, Pixar's Luca, which is exciting. Um, What are your thoughts about it, Sean? I think the standout character is going to be the cat. (laughs) That cat is so, what's the word? It emotes so many emotions (laughs) and it's always like spying on them. But this movie looks so fun. I love the music. I still really appreciate the art style. Um, It reminds me a lot of Little Mermaid, which you know how I feel about Little Mermaid. So I think it's going to be a very welcome addition to the Pixar family. Yeah, I like how they kind of expanded a bit more on Luca and his friends' like background. Because 
we from the first trailer we saw that okay he's like a sea creature that turns human once he gets out of the water but then there's actually a whole community of these species that live underwater so some very similar to little mermaid <laughs> it sounds like you know these they need to stay underwater and not go to the surface and stay away from humans so it, it definitely does have You went some. up to the surface again, didn't you? <laughs> but didn't Daddy, you? I love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely has that vibe. So we'll see how, you know, the movie comes out or the movie ends up being, which we also got news that it's going to be streaming June 18th on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, and apparently there is a little bit of unrest over that at Pixar <laughs> yeah. um, because they're putting a lot of heart into these movies and it's been announced that it's going straight to... Disney Plus, so I can understand their trepidation. Um, I don't know. I don't know, honestly, where I stand because it's hard going to the theaters still. Like, even though a lot of theaters are open, not everybody's comfortable. So, I don't know. Yeah, and they're kind of on this, like, schedule, too, of releasing movies. So, I mean, I'm as a consumer, I'm happy that they're doing this. But at the same time, I do feel for the people that have created these stories for us that like i'm sure they want they their their intention is for this movie to come out to watch in theaters yeah so we'll hope we're on a good track so you know cross our fingers hopefully this won't be a subject too much longer because covid seems to be on a dramatic downturn and with more and more people being hashtag vaccinated then uh hopefully we kill this virus soon and get back to normal just just do your part guys i told my boss when i was asking for friday april 30th off i was like i knew stuff got bad when disneyland closed (laughs) and i knew stuff was getting better when disneyland (laughs) reopened and she laughed at me but she's like that's a really good point (laughs) i was like yeah i know (laughs) so something came into the mail a couple days ago, Sean. Do you want to know what it is? It's right here in the notes, Alan. I can... (laughs) (laughs) Well, for those who don't have access to this, (laughs) our list of notes, um, I actually just got the book uh, Art of Star Wars, uh, Galaxy's Edge, which is a really hefty book. uh, It shares 700 pieces of concept art um, from all the from basically got galaxy's edge as well as uh, the upcoming starship trooper or starship <laughs> cruiser sorry uh, hotel in orlando so it just gives like what galaxy's edge could have been um you know all, all the rides that they thought of that are no longer that have no longer come to fruition and then also a sneak peek of the upcoming starship cruiser hotel that's coming out in orlando but it's really cool. The artwork is amazing. If you ever get a hand um, a hold of it, um, I'll try to post some pictures on Instagram as well too to share with it. But they did uh, share some interesting, uh, I guess, blue sky uh, things that they were thinking of adding. Uh, some rides was going to be like a bounty hunter ride, a pod racer ride, which would have been cool. Um, I guess it'd be kind of similar though to star tours because you're basically racing and they also have the pod racers in the ride too (laughs) um and then this one was actually really cool and i'm kind of sad they didn't have it i think a lot of people even expected it there is going to be a creature that you could ride on um a fairy um, named uh, ellie um basically think of it as kind of like the trolley in toontown but in star star wars world universe um just roaming around and people could just ride them like an elephant ride fun yeah 
So I'll have you know, this book came in the mail just a few days ago, and Alan has already read the whole thing, but he still hasn't read Witch's Rue, A Dream of Waking, <laughs> written by me, now available on Amazon. Well, this one has pictures in it. <laughs> <laughs> I put pictures by my sections. But more than, like, 700 pictures. I know, there's actually no, like, words. <laughs> you don't have to read it, it's all pictures. Picture book. That's more his speed. <laughs> But before we move on, I also want to note that they also were going to have a two-story restaurant, a sit-down restaurant called Calicory Club, which didn't end up in the final land. But some people are thinking, well, maybe they'll save it for, um, you know, a location that already has Star Wars uh, merchandise in it. Um, that used to be a restaurant, and it's also two stories in downtown Disney. Um, you know. It already has a kitchen in it, so maybe they could just repurpose that idea to that location. Ooh! And if you're not, uh, if you don't know what that location is, it's uh, the Star Wars Launch Bay store in downtown Disney that used to be the Rainforest Cafe. Yay! But that would be awesome. That would be awesome. You're awesome. Oh. Oh. Um, And then here's some sad news. Um, Unfortunately, if you are in Canada... Uh, Disney did announce that they are closing all of their 18 stores in that country. So, you know, it's definitely unfortunate. But I think, you know, given these day and ages where a lot more people are shopping online now, um, I think that's just Disney's, like, push is just to try to get more people to shop on their website. Um, So, unfortunately, that is the case. But hopefully Disney, you know, improves on their shopping online shopping experience and maybe even offers like free shipping without having to pay seventy five dollars every time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, sorry Canadians, but move to America if you wanna Wow. No, I'm just kidding. Um and then for those I know I mentioned this in our last episode, but for those who were able to wake up at eight in the morning on um last Wednesday Disney uh, announced a lot of updates for their uh, Wish cruise ship, the new Wish cruise ship, um, and a lot of cool things. Of a lot of the entertainment seems really cool. It's basically just a hodgepodge of Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars, kind of like this this podcast. But uh, some of these, uh, some of these, uh, but ours is better. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> but no, a lot of the concept art and this, just the things that they shared during this live stream was really cool. Uh, first off, they are going to have a Star Wars bar, which is really cool. Ooh, I wish I knew what it was like going to a Star Wars bar. <laughs> <laughs> but on the water. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then they are also having an Avengers-themed restaurant, too which is pretty cool. Um, and then another themed restaurant they're going to have is Frozen, because, you know, that's really popular amongst the kids. Um, but this one's going to be different, where you're not just going to eat in, like, a Frozen-themed restaurant. Um, they're going to ha- actually have... It looks like a dinner show where they're going to have performers um, singing songs from the movie and um, telling the this, this story as well, too. So hmm. that's pretty pretty cool. You're not just, you know, eating food and just looking at people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they also revealed uh, these new suites, which are going to be huge. They're going to be two stories on a cruise ship. Um, there are only seven of them because I'm sure they're going to cost a lot. Um, 
But yeah, Florida's ceiling windows, two-story windows, it's going to be really cool if you can ever stay in one of those. And then I think the biggest attraction of this whole ship is called, is a water slide called Aquamouse. Um, it's similar if, you're, if you are familiar with the cruise Disney cruise ships. Um, one of them has a similar slide. It's called the Aqua Duck, uh, which is basically a water coaster. Um, so instead of just like sliding down a slide, it actually, the water jets propel you up um, uphill as well too. Um, but what's cool with this Aquamouse is that the areas that they do like propel you up, um, there's like an indoor section where they'll show like scenes of Mickey Mouse and it'll actually tell a story um, while you're riding through through the slide, which is cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then think of it as like the Incredicoaster when you're inside those tubes. It's kind of like a similar concept to that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but all of this hap- will happen June 9th of 2022 when the first uh, cruise will set sail. Um, but if you are wanting to um, book your room, uh, bookings open May 27th. Oh, I'll set it on my calendar. Yeah. For, <laughs> for the, the two-story suite? Yeah. 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 Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then for any Falcon and Winter Soldier fans out there, um, I don't know if you ever heard of this rumor, but a lot of people have been talking about Bucky being bisexual. <laughs> and the, the reason why this rumor came up is because there was one scene where he was on a date with a woman, um, and he basically was like, yeah, I've tried Tinder, but there's just so many tiger pictures on there. And I guess a lot of people were just like, oh, well, a lot of tiger pictures tend to happen on male uh, profiles. So is Bucky bisexual? Well, one of the directors um, of the show basically debunked that theory. Well, not theory, but or bu- debunked the whole idea because he was like, no, that wasn't the intention at all. It was just, you know, a joke that he thought of. And yeah, so, you know, he didn't say Bucky is fully straight, but at the same time, you know, that wasn't the intention of that, that scene in the movie or in the the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just the fact that rumors like this keep getting started, like for example, with Poe and with Finn, like (laughs) we're hungry for these characters to have some like dimension. And, you know, it does happen that sometimes somebody doesn't just like men or women, you know, sometimes they like both or sometimes they like just people because people are people. People. Love is love. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And uh, some more exciting news. Uh, It turns out just recently, Disney has reacquired the rights to the Netflix shows that were on. So we're talking Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Punisher. So there's a lot of buzz around. It's looking like we're probably going to see Daredevil in the MCU pretty soon, especially since he had the more popular of the shows. But a rumor has just uh, gone around the the web from uh, Bleeding Cool that we may see Punisher in the MCU actually as soon as No Way Home or maybe in some other thing close to No Way Home. It's heavily rumored that we're going to see Punisher fight Spider-Man. Ooh. Right. And I think the reason why this holds some credibility for me is we've seen this happen in the comics where uh, the Punisher did go after Spider-Man for a little while. 
because they're both kind of seen as uh, questionable heroes <laughs> with Spider-Man just having a bad reputation, but Punisher actually being a killer. So it was kind of one of those things where they both had the idea that each other was the villain, but it turned out they, of course, worked, worked together in the end. Yeah. But yeah, I think that would be exciting. If we do see it, it would be the John Bernthal Punisher, which is the one who played him in Netflix. And you may also remember him from The Walking Dead. He played, I believe, it's been a while, but I believe his name was Shane. And he was in, I think, the first season. I don't remember if he was in the second or not, but he's a very attractive man. Yeah. Yeah. anyway (laughs) but no i mean i think it's interesting that they're still holding on to the marvel i guess the marvel universe that was netflix Mm -hmm. um so because i honestly i thought and i'm sure a lot of people thought that whole universe was dead yeah as soon as they started putting distance between marvel and netflix i kind of like dropped off watching those shows but I always meant to go back and finish them, and I think I will now if uh, <laughs> they are coming into the bigger world. Yeah. But the ones I saw were good. Like, I know Jessica Jones people seem to either love or hate it. I was on the love it side. I thought it was really funny and really enjoyable. I did not like Iron Fist. <laughs> um, Daredevil people seem to either thought was boring or really good. I was on the really good section. You were on the boring section. <laughs> but yeah, and Luke Cage was also a fun show, so I... I'm excited that, because I feel like these shows did delve pretty deep into the MCU and mentioning it, so I'm excited to see those shows come into, actually come into the MCU, and especially the fact that we have all these heroes set up, like, I want to see them interact with other people, like, why not expand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly, I wish that they had casted... The Punisher cast from 2004, the original Punisher, mm-hmm. with, with Thomas Jane yeah, and um, John Travolta, but <laughs> this will do, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so before Alan speaks more on that, I'll move on to the next one. Wolverine's getting a new costume. Oh. So have you ever heard of Power Pack? <laughs> Power Pack is very, like, late 80s, early 90s. It's from the Power family. Okay. It's four siblings who, like, stumble across an alien spaceship, and the alien ends up giving them powers, and they fight crime without their parents knowing. Well, what's been kind of happening in their world lately, they've made a comeback, or they're back in comics. I don't know if they made a comeback necessarily, but... um, (laughs) They have their own comic series out, and right now in the comics, we're going through this whole period where Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, in her Kamala form, because people don't know she's Miss Marvel, she gets hurt in an attack on the school. So the authorities have decided to make this organization called Cradle, where they decide that underage heroes should not be allowed to fight because they want to protect the children. So if any underage children are fighting, then Cradle comes and they're supposed to bring them into custody and put them in a holding cell. The only workaround is if they are chaperoned by an adult hero or taken under the wing of an adult hero. 
So Power Pack has been in some trouble lately because they didn't know about this law and they got caught and they're having some issues with their powers. I'm purposely being a little bit vague because if you're following Power Pack, I don't want to give everything away. But basically, since their powers are kind of wonky, they've decided they want people to think they still have powers. <laughs> wow. So they've asked Wolverine to help them by playing this character, Wolverine. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. And he gets a purple Wolverine outfit. <laughs> and they set up this kind of like YouTube-esque video where there's like smoke and mirrors to make it look like they have powers while they're fighting Wolverine, Wolverine just to make the wizard and other <laughs> villains uh, think they have powers. So <laughs> it's a little ridiculous, but I love Wolverine's purple costume. I'm Wolverine. Bub. I'm Wolverine. Mean. Wolverine. Wolverine. <laughs> I go where I want to go. <laughs> I'm just like, let's put Wolverine undercover by, first off, calling him Wolverine, <laughs> and we'll just dress him in purple. It's he's, fine. He's supposed to be like a copycat villain. But yeah, <laughs> like, can we be a little more creative, yeah. Power Pack, when you're making him this villain? But any excuse to put him in purple, I'm in there. <laughs> I like the purple. All right, so we're going to do things a little bit differently today uh, because we didn't have a Falcon and Winter Soldier. We had uh, Marvel Assembled. So we're going to do our cover Disney. I have a great new song for you brought to you by my best buddy, Rachel. And then we're going to talk about Marvel Assembled. But since it's just a making of show, there's really no spoilers. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go straight from there into the rest of our topics ending with our trip to... Disneyland. Oh, we went to Disneyland? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so this song is by a man named Chase Holfelder, and he covered the song Kiss the Girl. I'm going to tell you up front, I really like this version of the song, but it does feel a little rapey at times <laughs> because he's singing it in a way that makes him, like, to me, feel like a stalker. <laughs> like... I imagine him sitting across the room looking at this girl, like, obsessing, like, now you want her. <laughs> so I like, uh, it eventually gets a little more techno, and I like those parts of the song. But, yeah, it's definitely fun, and you should check out some of his other stuff because he covers a lot of different songs. Cool. But here's your example. There you see her Sitting there across the way She don't got a lot to say But there's something about her And you don't know why But you're dying to try You wanna kiss the girl Yes, you want her Look at her, you know you do it's possible she wants you to There's one way to ask her It don't take a word, not a single word Go on and kiss the girl Alright, thank you for listening. Did you like that song? I'm sitting in the corner right now Rocking back and forth, scared okay. Because you're singing the song to me right now I think you were kind of excited actually Oh 
On to our next topic. Okay. <laughs> Marvel Assembled. Yes. So if you remember, this is uh, our show on Disney Plus, where after any of the shows or movies wrap for MCU, starting from WandaVision, they're going to give us a behind-the-scenes look at the making of that show. Mm-hmm. So one of my big standouts was that this whole show is basically based on a line from... Endgame. So when Steve Rogers gives the shield to Sam, Sam says it feels like it belongs to someone else. And they took that line and they developed the whole show out of it. Yeah. I mean, words. Words. <laughs> uh, one of the other big things I got out of this was the term Sutkovia. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when um, Daniel Brule, who plays uh, Baron Zemo, he like had them film him in a commercial where he was playing Zemo, but he was like playing off the idea that his clothes are very snazzy. <laughs> so he made a commercial about Sutkovia where you can rent like these nice clothes. And he actually seems really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I liked his character um, in this series because like we didn't really get to see the side of him in the movies. Yeah, and I've heard on other uh, shows talking about, like, a lot of interest in his character because what happened to him during the snap? Like, did mm-hmm. he disintegrate and come back like a lot of people did? Was he in prison this whole time? So, yeah, just a lot of uh, excitement around him. So even him as an actor, Brule, um, he said he didn't expect on coming back to MCU or let alone coming back this soon. So I think it was even exciting for him to get to flesh out that character. Yeah. And he does have really good fashion sense. I remember watching, I was like, I like that jacket. Yeah. (laughs) Where can I get that jacket? Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest takeaways I got, (laughs) and this is so small, but it's so like mind blown. So when Sam shows up in episode six in his full on Captain America Falcon outfit, they wanted to make it look really cool. But the costume designers had some issues with the outfit (laughs) because the way they had to build the cow part, it wasn't always snug against his face. So he would, like, look left or right, and there'd be this big, like, gap in between his face and it. So they actually went in and digitally altered it to make it look like it's always, like, flush with the skin. Yeah, that was crazy. Like, that's just a little detail I probably wouldn't even catch if that were to even, if they were to just show the raw footage. Um, but you would never, also never think of that, too. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, I need to make sure that the fabric just constantly sticks to my skin. Mm-hmm. But and they did a great job. Like you can't tell at all. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I got out of this episode of Assembled is that there was so much digital work mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know it. Like there was the scene where they're uh, the chase scene on the big rig trucks, and they decided that the trees didn't look like they're in <laughs> yeah. the country it was supposed to. So they actually digitally took out the whole background and put in a new background. So lots of attention to detail. Um, It's amazing how far we've come from, let's say, uh, (laughs) the Star Wars prequels um, to the show. Yeah. I mean, they also mentioned a lot of, like, challenges, too. And maybe this explains why it kind of felt rushed 
like having only a few episodes for the season, but like they were supposed to actually film on location in Puerto Rico, but then um, the earthquakes happened, so that didn't happen, and then they eventually moved the filming location elsewhere, somewhere in Europe. I forgot Prague. Prague, yeah. Um, and then Corona happened, so <laughs> you know they had to basically move everyone back to the U.S. But like, there was just a lot of production issues that had happened. So I mean, maybe if all of that didn't happen, they successfully you know filmed in Puerto Rico, we could have gotten a totally different um, story and maybe even a longer series or yeah. season. And uh, I thought it was really amazing because in the first episode, we saw a lot of aerials with... Um, oh, she's the Little Mermaids in this? Oh, my God. <laughs> with Sam flying or gliding through the sky, uh, chasing some of the members of Hydra, including... Mm-hmm. Um, I just forgot his name. Uh, the Leaper. Batrock. Batrock the Leaper. So in that scene, they actually had one of the world's best uh, gliding team actually doing aerial stunts. So that's why it felt so real. I think that's kind of what they explained. Like, they wanted to balance the CGI with real, and I think that's why it melds so effortlessly together. Yeah, like, they basically CGI'd his face onto one of the uh, flying guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they did a really good job. It wasn't like I, Tanya, where you could tell, like, her face (laughs) was... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think the last thing that really stood out to me, and I'm sorry if you watched it and we're just (laughs) telling you everything you saw, but the last thing that stood out with me is uh, in the last episode, Sam made this speech to the world about, you know, being black and being a hero and how we all need to do better and, like, stop fighting about the stupid stuff like race and, like, focus on the bigger issues and make the world better. And uh, one of the writers said that they worked for hours over the phone to make sure that not only did that speech sound good, but did he believe in it? Did he believe in the speech he was giving? Like, how? what words did he want to use? How did he want to convey this idea? So this was a very personal show, I think, for everybody because of the trials they went through and how much care they, they gave the characters so it almost hurts my heart a little that um, in the grand scheme of things, it's one of the lower rated MCU installments because I think the last episode felt disjointed and we felt that way too. But I think it is one of the most um, like bonding experiences yeah. in one of, the, or maybe I'm just saying that because we've only seen WandaVision in this behind the scenes, but it seems like they did put a lot of care in the show, so I'm sad that the last episode kind of left us with that taste in our mouth. Yeah, it definitely provides a really good message that, you know, our country needs right now. But also what I liked about, or like what made me think about it even more too, was when they interviewed um, the Falcon, played by uh, Anthony Mackie, he, he mentioned like he... This is a great show because it also, uh, you know, brings a bright future for his kids as well too. So one to that brings a positive message for them. So I really like that he that he could kind of tell this story for his kids and hopefully for his kids to be proud of him too. Yeah, 
And then, um, speaking of Europe, <laughs> um, in Disneyland Paris, uh, this is pretty exciting. So if you're following all of their expansions, you know that they're expanding um, their um, Hollywood Studios Park. But at the same time, too, they're also doing some things in their hotels. Um, I don't know if you know this, Sean, but they're actually putting a bunch of Marvel stuff in one of their oh. hotels. Uh, basically a Marvel-themed hotel. Um, but in their uh, Disneyland Paris, which sits in the front of the park, they're also remodeling some of the rooms, too, um, putting some royal renovations coming to the hotel uh, theme to Cinderella, um, Sleeping Beauty, and even Frozen and Tangled. So if you're ever... Uh, if you ever plan to stay in the Disneyland Hotel in Paris, uh, you know, look that up. I'm sure it's not the cheapest, but I definitely think that would be a really cool uh, place to stay um, to help, you know, boost magic in the park in your vacation. That's exciting. Very exciting. And then uh, very recently, the Avengers Campus or Disney released more information about the Avengers Campus that's coming out next uh yeah, next month, because it's May now. <laughs> um, one of the things that was interesting is that even though they're opening up a brand new land in Avengers Campus, and then we have the existing um, Guardians of the Galaxy attraction, they're still sprucing that area up so it fits even more into the Avengers Campus land. Uh, one thing that they did, which is interesting, is that they actually kind of placed these little blue, purple, and yellow, I guess, stones that glow um, on the floor. Um, and what this is is that the collector, the collector um, placed a fortress around the attraction, um, which basically, like, warped the ground um, surrounding the, the building, causing, like, this cosmic disruption uh, to ooze. That's why these, like, stones showed up. But it's just, like, a little detail and cool little like update that they did to that ride specifically to go with the opening of uh, the land um, and then also the churro cart that's close by as well too that's renamed uh, Terran Treats and that's going to actually um, serve a bunch of churro flavors but one that they revealed is called the Sweet Spiral Ration Churro fine yeah sweet sweet <laughs> So, I won't get into it too much, but we had a day. Today is Saturday. We went to the Amityville escape room in uh, L.A., and we escaped in 30 minutes, even though we had an hour because we're that good. With no clues. With no clues. Or we didn't ask for clues. We didn't ask for <laughs> yes. clues. He kind of gave us one. Yeah. Um, the reason I bring that up, I love living near L.A. because <laughs> we were like, well... We don't want to go home yet because, I mean, we're so efficient. What should we do? And we're like, let's find a bar. So when we were searching, we were like, oh, the Scum and Villainy Bar. I've been meaning to go to that. If you haven't heard of this, it's a Star Wars-themed bar. It's in Hollywood. Uh, we went, six yeah. of us, Alan, Anthony, Jesse, Rachel, and Stephanie, mm -hmm. all my people. This bar everybody was so cool and so much fun yeah when we first got there uh we got there about 30 minutes earlier than it opened and i kind of saw some of the people who were working there like one was wearing a spy i think it was like a superhero night because the bartender was wonder woman like she had a really good costume yeah. so that was halloween worthy yeah but our server had like a spider-man shirt so i almost was like this isn't 
feel like Star yeah. Wars. But when you go in and you can find this picture on our Insta, it looked very much like the Moss Eisley Cantina from Star Wars A New Hope. Um, the drinks, too, I think I was expecting more Star Wars themed things, yeah. but they were still fun because they had like the Harley Quinn, the Tiki Temple of Doom. They did have like the Forest Moon, which is Endor and other drinks, but it was more just the Super Saiyan, but it was more just like <laughs> stuff from like nerd culture. Yeah, it's like a geeky bar. Yeah. Kind of. So it's like, it looks like Star Wars, but it's not meant to transport you to Star Wars like uh, Oga's Cantina does. Yeah. But this place was so fun because the servers were all like super nice. Um, I think what really pushed it over the edge for us was finding out that they had an app where you could like (laughs) (laughs) request songs. But not only can you request songs, but you can upvote or downvote other people's songs. And you can see whatever name that person put into the app. You can see who upvoted or downvoted. So basically, we had a table of six and we took over that bar we played all the songs we wanted yeah including um power line uh we played uh jeff and dale's rescue rangers mm-hmm. uh thundercats almost came up but we had to block it to like play something <laughs> else we were having so much fun playing all our music lots of queen mm-hmm. but i mean we were there too so wow. um there was um david bowie going on some labyrinth like that was the best part. Uh, the food was really good. We got just like, you know, uh, sherry food, like tater tots or AT tots. <laughs> and we got like nachos yeah. and chips and queso. Good, like bar with food. Drinks. Yeah, mm-hmm. really good. I think the best drink is the Furiosa, which of course is based on Mad Max Fury Road. The reason why it's so exciting is because. <laughs> the the server comes to the table with the drink, but then he has like, he, or she, or they has a can of edible sparkles mm-hmm. that they spray into your drink, but yeah. they yell at you for what did they say? Oh, I don't I remember. Have, I have it on video. But our server said Rachel yelled back the best that anybody yes. <laughs> has before. It was very magical to watch and be a part of. I can't understand I that. They said. <laughs> but yeah, uh, totally a lot of fun. We spent probably about two, oh, we, two hours there. So yeah, very happy with it. Yeah, we spent two hours there. And I think what's cool too is that they are, um, you know, abiding by social distancing rules as well too. You're only allowed to be in the bar if you're seated. Um, so we didn't feel like uncomfortable. Um, we actually had our own booth, which is really nice. Yeah, we were the first people in line, yeah. so we got, like, choice seating. We were away from everybody in our own little corner. Yeah, it was really, really good, and, you know, everyone was wearing masks when they were, um, when they had to, so it was a really good experience, and it was, spoiler alert to our Disneyland review, it was a good, uh, it filled in the void that we were missing for um, Oga's Cantina. Yes, it did. Yeah. All right. Well, we don't have to spoil anything any longer because we are at our grand finale. We are going to talk about our day at the Disney reopening. I thought you were going to say we were at Disneyland right now. So we're going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So um, 
Alan painted a very, <laughs> I was just trying to be prepared, a very gruesome picture of what it would look like getting into the park. He's like, there are long lines. Um, sometimes they close the the queue to like get into the parking structure. So I was all prepared to get there early. <laughs> so what our day looked like is we first off got up at 6 a.m. to get ready. And we wanted to be prepared because if you're not aware if you are going to Disney and starting your day in the Disneyland Park, they offer Rise of the Resistance tickets first at 7 a.m. And what's different now is you, you used to have to have your ticket scanned first to show that you were in the park. Now you can get in the queue from anywhere. Yeah. So at 7 a.m., before we left for the park for the day, we did it from uh, my parents' house. And I got number nine. We were number nine in queue. Yeah. And you can only get it if you're starting your day off at Disneyland. But for those people who are park hoppers and starting their day at DCA and they're going to Disneyland, um, they can't um, or you can't um, go for the 7 a.m. So just keep that in mind if you are, you know, depending if you're doing a park hopper for that day. Yeah. So they offer it, yeah, at 7 a.m., and then they offer it again at 12 p.m. So that's when it's more, I think, set up for the park hoppers because they can't come into the park until 1 p.m. Mm -hmm. And what we learned, because we're greedy. Sean's greedy. <laughs> we tried again at 12 p.m., and it told us that we can't. We had already used our one yeah. for the day. So you can only get one boarding pass for whoever's in your group for yeah. that day. Which, honestly, I... I'm glad Disney did that because it just gives everyone a chance, especially now that no one's an AP holder and we're just, you know, we're, we're spending the full amount to go to the park each time. Um, you know, it just gives everyone a chance to, to go onto the ride. So, yes, we got our tickets for Rise and we drove over to the park, which there is actually no line to get into parking. Yeah. And what you can expect getting there early, and I do recommend you get there a little bit early. I would check with uh, whatever day you're going to see when parking opens. Yeah. Because what we're referring to is for opening weekend, they're opening parking at 6 a.m., even though the park doesn't open till 9 a.m. Yeah. But moving forward, it will probably continue to open at 8.30 a.m., 30 minutes before opening. Yeah, the early, like, 6 a.m. opening of the parking was only for basically the, the opening weekend of the park. So, yeah, definitely try to get there early because, you know, we'll, we'll look out and see how it is, too, and see, like, live feeds. But, you know, try to be prepared. I just freaked out because, okay, let me just give some backstory about that, too, because... I was looking at the posts from people for the previews that happened before the park even officially opened. And it, my opinion or my theory is that because it was crazy in the morning, it's because they only open parking till you know, a half hour before the park opens. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's why I act a little crazy. Okay. <laughs> so what we encountered first is we went through security as usual, which... There was no line for yeah, any security, which, which was nice. And then where we really started to come into some resistance wow. is uh, <laughs> if you're familiar with the tram path or road, um, there's no trams right now. So you have to walk the entirety of the tram road. And they stopped us about halfway between the parking structure and the park. And they had three lines. 
So we had to get in one of those lines, and at about, I'd say, 8 a.m., I think, they let two of the lines that were there before us move, and then they let us go. So this was really their way of making sure we were socially distanced, because usually what they do is they have you get in long lines in front of the gates. Yeah. So that was nice. And they let us in the park pretty quick. Um, They let us in, I think we got in about 8.30, yeah, around yeah, around that time. And normally what they do is, uh, if you're not familiar, is they have rope drop where you can only go as far as the end of Main Street and then there's a rope. And then when the park opens, they drop, or usually about 10 minutes before, 5, 10 minutes, they drop the rope and then you can wander into the park. But because of social distancing rules, they didn't want us to congregate in the front. So they made the announcement that the whole park is open. You can go wherever you want. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go get a delicious, wonderful breakfast Ronto wrap from uh, Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge, but they didn't have those. They did not. So we had to get regular Ronto wraps, yeah. which are basically the same thing without eggs. Yeah. <laughs> still good, but still good. I still prefer the breakfast Ronto wraps. I don't yeah. know why they, they took it out. Mm-hmm. Again, Disney execs, if you're listening to this, please bring back my breakfast Ronto wrap. Yeah. I want it back. So they had all the or most of the food open before the park. So that was nice, too. I think that was very smart for Disney because it's uh, easier for us and more money for them. So yeah. that was appreciated. And before we were even done eating at about 8.50... Oh, wait. I shouldn't get there yet. I'm going to talk about mobile ordering now. Yeah. <laughs> So I like the way they have mobile ordering set up, but it can be good or bad. So just be aware that we mobile ordered. So what happens is in the area where you order your Ronto wrap or pick it up, you couldn't get into that area without showing your mobile order. And that's how most of the restaurants work. You can't just walk up and order food. You have to use mobile order. And you can't even sit in a food area unless you have a mobile order. So that's, again, that's nice. I mean, it's it's a little, you know, here or there because there's not as many places just to wander in with food, but at least you're protected while you eat your food. Mm -hmm. And they have a designated food area set up, which weren't always easy to find. No, or, yeah, clearly labeled. So every, even, yeah, every time you order food... Uh, from like a vending cart or whatever they're like make sure to only consume this when you're in a designated eating area yeah and that even counts like we got water later in the day Mm -hmm. and even that they're like find a designated food area and like those weren't always easy to come by so we ended up just sometimes wandering into less populated areas and just drinking there real quick yeah because you can't eat in eat or drink in line as well too Mm -hmm. so just something to note because i know I mean, I'm the type that per, type of person that likes to do that, just snack in line. Mm-hmm. So no snacking and lining. But yeah, so while we were uh, eating our Ronto wraps, we got the alert that our Rise of the Resistance was ready mm-hmm. at 8.50. The park's not even open, and we can already go on to Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. So that's why I think it's good to get there early. I mean, I don't know how much that's going to continue. I think they may have opened earlier because of the parking situation because it was opening weekend, but um, something to be aware of. And I think it's worth to note, like even walking up to the park in the morning and walking by downtown Disney, 
the workers were lined up, like, cheering us, yeah. welcoming us, waving at us. It was very magical. Yeah. Well, that's, like, kind of one of the reasons why, you know, it was... I, I wanted to kind of get there early is because of the energy of, you know, the excitement of everyone there. You know, yeah, everyone waving high uh, for, like, World of Disney workers, but even, obviously, going inside that part, too, when you're just walking down Main Street and, like, all the employees are just, like, saying, hi, welcome home, and just welcome back. It's... I, I teared up a little bit, and then Sean laughed at me. That's okay, though. <laughs> I teared up on uh, Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. It was just so magical being on it again. Yeah. But, yeah, all the workers were... Like, we interacted with quite a few workers. For some reason... <laughs> Uh, we've noticed like with Rachel and myself, people are drawn to us. So we always get chosen, <laughs> especially Rachel, when we go places for like, we get chosen to go do things at shows or like people come up to us for like, I've been approached at Target a lot, even though I'm not always even wearing a red shirt and they're like, do you work here? <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, One time I got yelled at by this guy. He was like, excuse me. And I wasn't even paying attention because, like, why would he be talking to me? Yeah. And he's like, do you work here? I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the workers are wonderful. If you are listening to this and you were working on April 30th, we really do appreciate the magic you brought to us as consumers and just um, enjoying your job and just making it such a wonderful day. Yeah. I even heard somebody saying, like, it's so much more than just a theme park. Like, this is our lives. And... I think for me, like, I went through a really hard time with my friend Victoria from Once Upon a Cult, where, like, they were laying off all the employees at my job at the time, and she was unemployed. She just gotten like, got her job. And, like, for us, it was just such a magical escape to go just go wander around Disney, even just get food. Like, <laughs> I think it's easy to set your life aside and just get lost in either of the parks, so... It's because of the workers and because of the way Walt built the parks and just the magic of the rides. I think it is so much more than just like, sorry to say, like going to Magic Mountain or Universal Studios. I think that's what sets it apart. Yeah. I mean, like what you said earlier, too, about like the world shut down and turned to crap when when Disneyland closed. And then, you know, we're starting to get better and Disneyland's opening. So I hope this is just a good sign, too, just for the world in general that you know, we're, we're getting closer to just going back to normal again. Yeah. So, uh, the only other thing I wanted to note before we get to the attractions Mm -hmm. is if you are a Disney play fan, Jesse, uh, (laughs) um, Disney play isn't its best right now because of the way the lines are set up. We mentioned on a previous episode, like they have to get us in and out of the ride. So like they can't have you, playing Disney Play, so a lot of the areas where you would normally, like, scan crates or look for clues are not up right now, so it may not be the best time for that. Yeah. I mean, the the app still work. The gameplay still works, so if you are, like, in Batsu, they have the crates outside of the rides, too, but if you're planning to do it, like, within the queue itself, yeah, you're... Yeah, like, it's gonna be tough. for example, in Disney Play, one of the big things in Batsu is you have to, like count the engines or like Mm -hmm. different things that are on the falcon but you don't even go you can't walk by the window to look at the falcon right now and the line doesn't stop there you have to keep moving so yeah yeah but i definitely do recommend bringing or downloading the app if you don't have it because 
wait times are important. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of like us running, you know, across the park for a ride, we can actually check out to see if, you know, when the queue time is. So that was really convenient for us. Yeah, you need the app for your day. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and go through our list here. So we experienced um, Splash Mountain. Yes. So that is open. Mm -hmm. It was so beautiful to get to see it. I mean, I am going to miss it when it's gone. I am very excited, though, for Princess and the Frog because I feel like I have more of a connection to it. So I'm looking forward to seeing, like, the updated animatronics and characters and scenarios. But, I mean... I remember going on Splash Mountain the first time when I was nine. So, like, yeah. <laughs> it's been there a while. Yeah. I mean, I just really wanted to ride it one more time before the, you know, the, the changes happen. So glad that I marked that off my to-do list. So <laughs> I do have a theory. You heard it here first. I noticed some of the paint wasn't as fresh as it mm. could have been, especially for reopening. Mainly in, like, the the thorns when you go down into oh, the happy place. Yeah. Those are usually very crisp and brown. So I would guess that this is going to be the last year we're going to see the original ride before they close it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would think so. So, yeah, if you're going to Disneyland this year or if you want to see it before it's gone, this is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they'll make an announcement before it happens. Yeah. They'll probably sell, like... Mm-hmm. Splash Mountain closing shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything to make money. Yes. All right. And then we also, we mentioned Rise of the Resistance. Um, what was your take on that? I'm glad that they kept most of the ride elements or the attraction experience elements intact. Um, just the major one that they didn't include was the first show scene with Ray as a hologram. Mm-hmm. Uh, you basically walk straight through that room and then go straight into the shuttle to take you um, to get arrested, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, so what they did instead, because basically what Ray tells you in that first room is the location of the secret rebel base. Mm-hmm. So rather than that happening, the way they did it is the uh, worker, when we were walking in, said, oh, by the way, the rebel base yeah. is here. Don't <laughs> tell anyone. And I was kind of like, why did you yeah. say that? <laughs> but that's why they do it that way. And uh, the main other thing that I personally miss because I love it from the original opening is um, the Imperials don't really accost you so much. They used to, like, very much play with you, like, look forward or why are you talking? Or one time I think I had uh, my R2-D2 bag and he was like, why do you have that? (laughs) (laughs) You should want Imperial logos or something like that. So that's missing because, uh, like we mentioned on an early episode, they can only let you be inside a building for so long. So they have to get you, like, through that if you're going to get to the ride. Yeah. So you don't get the full experience, but I would still suggest going on it. Because the stuff they took out, like, it doesn't affect it too much, but I missed it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... That was kind of usually one of the things I look forward to riding that ride is to get interrogated by them. But, yeah, I mean, I understand the situation. Um, But even when, like, yeah, that that part where you stand on your color and, like, wait a few minutes, we didn't even do that. We just, like, walked straight into that jail sale scene. Yeah, we walked straight in. He said, blue, remember blue. It was very quick. (laughs) We were like, okay. (laughs) But, yeah, it it was such... 
a treat to get to go on it again. I really did get teary-eyed, and then Alan <laughs> thought I was making fun of him, but I was being serious for once, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing we did, we went on to uh, Haunted Mansion, mm-hmm. got to see the new curtains. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so one of the things that happened, something to look out for right off the bat, is... They had, like, a special line area. Yeah. And the people in front of us got to go. Yeah. And, like, it's funny because we were kind of complaining that we didn't get to go. But then somebody who did get to go was like, what? We don't get to go in the elevator? (laughs) Like, do you want to trade? (laughs) Because what they do is when you're going through the line, when you're kind of in that inner area right before getting to the mansion, underneath the the graves where it says like I'll be gone and I'll be back and all those names there's a door there they're actually bringing people to go through that door which uh it's stairs that go down into the ride Mm -hmm. so it would have been exciting to get to see that in person the only drawback is you don't get to go in the elevator but you know for pass holders how many times have we been in the elevator so that was a bummer yeah, and uh, I saw some footage of people going through it, and they, I don't know if this is decorated, like, before COVID, but they decorated it to make it look like you're basically going through the the, ele- the stretching room because they have pictures of the, the portraits in the stretching oh. room that you walk, you walk by. Um, so, yeah, it just would have been a cool experience to walk through because, obviously, we've never done that before. Yeah. Yeah. And we did check out the new graveyard. The plants look very fresh and spruced up. Um, I believe I could be wrong, but not being in the park for a year, you sometimes may or may not have missed something. But I believe they added a new tombstone for Fifi, which is a poodle, and it's like bones that form a cross. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing, I think it might have been there, I don't remember, but there's a cat, like, statue with little bird statues around it because the cat ate the birds i don't remember if the birds were there or not (laughs) but it was cute that was funny yeah but yeah and then there's like a telescope up above that looked very pristine i think they i think that's been there alan didn't remember it but it looked very new so yeah just like little details i i don't know if it's been there before i think probably because we've never really stood that far because obviously with everyone's social distancing the lines look longer than they perceive to be so you know we're standing basically outside of the main entrance like that main gate of haunted mansion which we usually don't do (laughs) (laughs) so when you're like that far you're obviously looking around but at at the same time too it gives you kind of something to do while you're waiting in Mm -hmm. line And I think the biggest thing that I was looking for is we mentioned the April-December picture with the younger-looking woman turning old, and it's not hard to miss. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because uh, when you're – if you picture it, you walk through the hallway with all the other pictures on the wall. They're on your right. There's, like, the – what would you call them? The – eye-bending statues that look like they're watching you. you. Yeah. Yeah. So those are on your left. You turn the corner, and the ride's on your left. The wall on the right is like there's candles all over this wall, and in the middle is just this one portrait of April, December. So she gets like her whole own wall (laughs) and room, basically. But it looked really cool, and I was happy to see her again because we haven't seen her in so long. Yeah. And even just 
the little touches of like the screens to like social distance or just to create barriers between them, they really did a good job in the loading zone for like a mansion because it's it just blended so well into the whole theming of the attraction. Yeah. Oh, and for the elevator ride, the way they handled that is they had four like dots. circles yeah. um, in each corner of the elevator. And so it was like four parties and each party stands on a circle. So yeah. I think that was a good way to handle that. Yeah. It was nice not to be, cause obviously I don't, I also don't like that part because we're so crowded, bunched in with yeah. so many random people. Like this was nice to have that distance and just enjoy, enjoy it for what it was. Yeah. All right, so next up, let's talk about Snow White's Enchanted Wish. Yeah, I I honestly was a little skeptical with this ride when they first announced it and that they're, like, revamping it, making it less scary, but I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, I was actually surprised for how big of a deal they made about the ride being scary, how many of the, like, scary elements were still there. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that I noticed they took out was, like, the scary trees in the woods. Yeah. But, yeah, most of the um, evil queen old hag stuff is still (laughs) there. Um, The most magical scene to me was they added a scene in the end of The Kiss. Yeah. And there's this beautiful, like, ray of light shining down, and Snow White, like, moves very human-looking. The prince is a little weird because he's closing his eyes while yeah. he kisses and after, so he's just kind of asleep. <laughs> and, and the last prince, like, yeah, the last prince <laughs> before oh, the ride ends. Prince just, Dirk. like, really, yeah. <laughs> Dizzy could have done a better job. <laughs> yeah. And, like, when he kisses her, there's, like, these sparkles that fill the whole wall. It was so gorgeous. And one... I really like this whole kind of move that Disney's making because they did it on the Alice in Wonderland ride and they also did it in the new Snow White where they're adding more like projections or more screens that show like scenes from the movie. So Mm -hmm. it it blends so effortlessly and it really brings you into that world. Yeah. And they do it too so smartly versus other parks like Universal Studios. (laughs) But yeah, like the effects, they even had Dopey. Like there was an actual like mine scene where you see Dopey with like gems in his eyes and you can mm-hmm. kind of see all the eyeballs in the gems. So <laughs> it's just a really cute, like I, to me, it's just like an, another instant classic again. Yeah. And in case you're wondering too, the most we waited for any one ride was about, I'd say, 35 minutes. Yeah. And some of the rides, like Mr. Toad's, <laughs> we walked right on. Yeah. They said it was a 10-minute wait, <laughs> and there was, like, one party ahead of us. Yeah. So if you're on the fence as to whether you want to go to Disneyland or not, I think this is the year to do it. Because when we left, Alan were like, wow, we just paid uh, $153 to go to Disneyland. But... I feel like even though that's a lot of money, being used to being a pass holder, like I don't think we're ever going to get a chance to experience Disney at 25% like this. Yeah. And getting to really enjoy all the rides to their fullest. Yeah. It's it's funny because we're like, yeah, we'll probably be, you know, just go on the big ones and then we'll be good. But no, like we we went on almost all the rides um, that mm-hmm. That were worth it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, one, one thing I will note, and I've actually mentioned this to a few people that I know are going to Disney 
um, in the future is that just keep in mind if it is a hot day that a lot of the queues because you can't they can't hold people inside the buildings a lot of them tend to the majority of the line will be outside so just keep that in mind you know if you have I know some people don't like this, but I would even recommend bringing an umbrella for some shade because, yeah, it's really, it was really hot that day. Yeah, my uh, shoulders and my <laughs> neck are like a lobster, huge and yeah. red. <laughs> so, yeah, that was um, very exciting. Some of the other things we did is we went to Savvy's workshop. Yeah, I took this as a, you know, I took advantage of this time to do Savi's workshop to build a lightsaber, a custom lightsaber. Um, and it was a really great experience. It was, I would say it's a shopping or merchandise experience with a show as well, because you're not just like, okay, here's the parts and you put it together. They actually tell you the story of like the different kyber crystals that you can get, the different types of, um, I guess, the, the different lightsabers and what they all mean um and even like as the one of the cast members were doing their whole speech they were doing it to the rhythm of the music as well too yeah the music was so perfectly in sync with her talking yeah it was cool and even yeah like the the kyber crystals when they were pulling them out one at a time the whole like lights like if they were pull out the blue kyber crystal the lights inside was the room would turn blue so yeah. just like those little touches were really cool. Um, and I really like my lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> someone has to. Wow. Um, but I think someone in this episode is probably going to do one too one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> so in case you don't know how it works, because it was my first experience watching it, is uh, there's four different types of lightsaber you can get, like elemental. One of them was like more of the dark side looking mm-hmm. power. Um, I don't remember what they all are right now. Yeah, I, I'd have to look them up. But you basically choose which of the four types you want, and then once you choose your type, like Alan did elemental, then there were two options for each of the different parts of the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So you can customize it in your own way so that you know no two lightsabers look exactly the same. Yeah. So that was fun. And then, of course, you can choose one of your four colors, uh, red, blue, purple, or green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, it's not just a lightsaber you get, too. Like, once you decide what um, lightsaber pack to choose from, um, they give you a, a pin for you to wear so they know which set to give you. Um, and then you also get, you know, obviously the lightsaber with a blade. And they even give you the lightsaber um, holder, the, the sleeve, for you to hold on to as well too so honestly with the price um i I thought it was money well spent in my opinion Mm -hmm. and then we went next door and sean used a gift (laughs) card he got for his birthday to help pay for his brand new bb unit Mm -hmm. Um, i chose a black head for my bb unit and he has a purple and black body Mm -hmm. his name is bb6 but he goes by sixer yeah and if you haven't seen these things, they're amazing. Uh, they have, like, a, a 
gizmo inside that has two magnets at the top to hold the head, for the most part, on the top of the wheel. <laughs> While it moves, uh, you can control it with the little controller you get, or you can control it with an app on your phone. You can make it make noises. It's really fun, and I'm glad I finally have one. Yeah. Or you can get a BB or an R2 unit. The R2s are more customizable, but I mean, when you have a moving ball with magnets, like, it's more exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, you can imagine what Alan and I look like as two adult men going on gadgets go coaster <laughs> with a lightsaber and a, a droid in a box. Yeah, we. <laughs> it was funny because like when the lady asked us, "Oh, like how many people in your group?" You're like two. She looked at us. She's like, "Do you want one row or two rows?" I'm like, "One row is fine." And then she's like. Uh, Okay. <laughs> we were not allowed to take our lightsaber and our droid because yeah. we were very cramped. <laughs> yeah. It was, well, Sean couldn't, couldn't even fit his leg inside the vehicle. I had to pull it in after me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to highlight, the last thing, is uh, we've talked recently about Disney loosening their restrictions on what the workers can and can't wear. I found this very magical, especially, uh, I don't know if I've talked about it on this show, but coming from like my tumultuous teens where I wanted to be a punker and wear nail polish and eyeliner, and my dad just didn't understand that. Um, it's always been, I think, maybe a little triggering like when people aren't allowed to do what they want. And it's actually... The only thing that held me from working at Disney in my youth, because I've always had earrings of one kind or another. But now that that's lifted, being able to see the workers express themselves, um, I want to say I saw at least two, maybe three of the male workers with nail polish, which I loved. I saw many workers showing off their tattoos, which, I mean, I love tattoos, obviously, (laughs) because I have my sleeves. And I think... The biggest one that I noticed that I was like, wow, Disney is really letting their workers do whatever they want. And I loved it is when we went on Indiana Jones, I did a double take because there is a male worker standing in our, I I guess I should say more presenting male is the correct term, um, standing in one of the corners. And I did a double take because I'll say this person because I don't know the pronouns was wearing like the female pants and I was like I love that I love that they're even letting their workers express themselves through whatever you know typically female outfit they want Mm -hmm. so yeah I'm all on board for this I love that Disney's woke I don't care what anybody (laughs) on social media says it's it's really uh something I'm proud of and something that I really want to see more and more companies take on this role because even where I work uh, I'm not supposed to show my tattoos but I just kind of it's like it doesn't say that anywhere in the dress code so (laughs) well good thing you work on the phones I know (laughs) but no like and again too for those people who are complaining about the wokeness like if you told me like if I didn't know about any of these like dress code like changes I probably wouldn't have noticed them at all Mm. Um, but because I know that people can do this now, it's it's kind of like a cool, like, Easter egg almost. <laughs> like, you can, like, spot, you know, the, the different differences or, you know, the, the different changes that people have done. So, yeah, but again, like, I, I love this. Um, 
I think when we first saw someone with a tattoo, we were like, oh, they have a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's something, usually at other theme parks, like when they're not as strict, I don't really notice stuff like that as yeah. much because it's just, that's what people do. Like I read once that 40% of our age group has tattoos. So yeah. it's not a small number. Yeah. And I was even thinking too, like, because it was a, it was a pretty hot day that day and I was thinking to myself, like, okay, so if someone has, like, you know, tattoos on their on their arm, like, do they have to wear a long sleeve that whole day? Normally like, that they sucks. would. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it's even for the betterment of the cast member. So they're more comfortable, too. Yeah. So this was such a great trip to the park. I loved it. I'm glad Disney's open. I, Alan was making fun of me because he's even like, oh, I don't even know how long we're going to stay. We were there till yeah. 630. <laughs> yeah. And we just barely fit everything in, I think, because we went on Indiana Jones. That was our last ride of the day. Yeah. Had I known you wanted Tiki Room, I would have done that. <laughs> but definitely something to go to. I'm excited about going to California Adventure on June 19th mm-hmm. and sharing with you Avengers Academy and how uh, DCA is doing with all the changes. Yeah. Avengers Campus. Campus, sorry. <laughs> There's a comic called Avengers Academy. Uh, well, it's not the comic that's opening up. Shut up. <laughs> so um, we did want to let you know that we have decided that because most podcasts take like little breaks, you know, here or there between like seasons or just through holiday seasons, stuff yeah. like that. We're not going to leave you for any long periods of time, but we have decided now that our show is up and running and we've got a good flow, we may take a week here or there, um, depending on what's going on in our lives or just maybe if there's not a lot of information coming out. So because Alan is leaving me next weekend, we thought it would be easier to take our first break. So there will be one week in between this episode and the next. Yeah, and you know, it gives people a chance to catch up too. Yeah. So we're excited to come back with a guest on our next episode again. We'll have a countdown for you. We'll talk about the Tiki Room comics and then whatever else comes up within the next two weeks. Yeah. I would recommend uh, if you're not already following us on Instagram, do that because we're going to be posting Sixer and all of our other pictures from our Disneyland trip as well as any other news as it comes out. We will post on there, so at least you're not left, you know, hanging until our next show comes out. Yeah, so make sure to follow us. Yeah, follow us. Marvelous Galaxy of Disney, all together is one word. You can also link to Alan or my uh, Instagram through there, and then you could also see our other projects there, like uh, Witch's Brew, our other show, Once Upon a Cult, or my other show, Hanging with the Hollowells, a charmed podcast. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. Yay. Yay. Yay.